There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee that it is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tea at Nathan Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? Chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're Man. Southern boy. I have no idea. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Did not think what I was going to say this time, time. So let's say spring camp time, warm weather time, beautiful day in Knoxville, Tennessee time. Unless the day we run this, it's raining, in which case it's not a good weather day time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown coming to you from the Fort Rucker sunroom today. I, I think. believe that's what we're calling it. Yeah, th- this is this is uh, the third week in a row that we've said this, but I genuinely believe now that I can get all this stuff moved back up to the actual studio this time next week. We'll, s- we'll see. This time you're not holding a dog, though, unlike the last football podcast we recorded, which feels like it was weeks ago because there was spring break, and then you and Grant were tra- traversing the... Uh, Midwest- whatever, the Midwestern United States? The, it's not really the Midwest, though. I mean, it's like Ohio and... Kentucky, that's not really the Midwest. I think a Midwest like Chicago. But what else would you call Ohio? Ohio. Well, I call it the Eastern Europe of America. But that's probably I call fair. it I call it gray. Yeah. The sun it's like fair. It's like England. The sun never shines for most of the year. But yeah, that was uh that was a fun basketball postseason and we've already we wrapped that up because Ramey and I did our our season end podcast. We're gonna do a couple more, but we did one the night of Tennessee's very, very painful loss. Uh, that ended the season there in the NCAA tournament to Purdue. We wrapped that up. If you want to go back and listen to our most recent podcast episode, that's what that was. Uh, so there was some stuff to break down there. We will have another couple of basketball podcasts. We'll do a season uh, review, basically. We'll do a uh, Jordan Bone, good or bad, that he's doing what he's doing podcast. Uh, we'll probably have Juan Grant Williams when he inevitably does the same thing, where he at least will declare for the draft and then – and then decide whether he wants to stay in it or come back for his senior season. Still think there's a better chance that Bone stays in the draft than Williams does, but we'll see. We'll see. That's not a unanimous opinion, but that's my opinion, and that's the opinion of some other people around both players. So we'll have plenty to discuss there, but right now we're talking, guys, football. Practice. We're talking about practice, man. You know, staring down the barrel of just like over a week until it's the orange and white game. I guess it's the used to be the dish Dish Network orange and white game. Now it's the Chevrolet orange and white game. Take it should be the take that Ford orange and white game. Mm -hmm. I drive a Nissan for the record. So you're not putting America first. Uh, No, I drive a Mazda. I can't. I know. I was about to say. (laughs) Ryan, you drive a Chevy, don't you? I think I drive a Nissan. I think we all here drive. I think we all here are Japanese car driving guys. 
Uh, including hey, including Ramey, who's got a Honda. So, yeah, that's all of us. There's a Nissan plant in Middle Tennessee. We're supporting the state. There you go. Just like the Volkswagen plant down there in Chattanooga. There is a lot to discuss because for those of you who have, you know, normally, you know, we talk about this and it's funny that, that people will go look at, you know, spring football. It gets all the, the big talk and everything. And, and I think, I might be wrong, but I think it, it's been a lot of – basketball talk for the past couple months more so than even usual uh, because you know of what looked like a potentially special season from a special group of guys and they kind of you know got you know put this fan base in rapture a little bit like everybody was talking about that and meanwhile ho-hum the the second year under Jeremy Pruitt their spring camps just kind of going along business as usual no big news uh, no you know there's no quarterback controversy you know the, there's no um, you know, trying to replace a star running back or anything like that. So there was no, like, big, huge, big, huge deal, drama, you know. And even the guys that were coming back were guys – the coaches that were, that were rehired uh, were guys that had been at Tennessee before. So there, there's not been a lot of – not been a lot of stuff to, to really talk about in terms of just big, splashy news. But it is a really important spring for, for Pruitt in this program because what do they say all the time? Uh, other than the fact that Crime Dog is going to bark every time we record the podcast, uh, they're also going to say uh, the most improvement that you should make is between your first game and your second game. Well, in a lot of programs, the most improvement that is made is between the first season and the second season. In theory, this is a group of players now who understand, by and large, what their coaches want. You don't have uh, basically a team full of freshmen because everybody's learning the system. You know, these guys know this staff for the most part. They know the expectations, and, and I think even though there's been some changes on offense with that staff, I think the basics of the program were put in by Pruitt, and I don't think they're going to change very much as long as he's there. I think he's got his belief system. I think he's got his principles, and I think the program is, is going along with that, and I think it's going to as long as he's in Knoxville. So you look at all that together, and you you think, okay, some guys to replace here, but should be a little better second season. I don't think it's going to be a huge step forward, but I think it it will be a step forward. That's to be determined. But it's a big spring for those guys. And, and since the last time we had the football podcast, there's been a lot of interesting things going on. There has been uh, Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator, has has uh, emerged to be the the, the rare mid spring or mid season assistant coach interview from a from a Jeremy Pruitt assistant. So there's and we have from Derek Ansley there. Derek Ansley. Derek Ansley did not come out and face the media writ large, but he did do the uh, the vol calls. So there and there are some information that we could glean from that. It was the nation just for just mm-hmm. for the record. Was it's, it that one? Mm-hmm. It's conceivable we could hear from Ansley at some point in the future. I don't know yeah. how soon, but we could because if Pru- I, I, I can't wait because you know I'm gonna can't, I'm gonna toss that one back in Pruitt's face at some point. You said that every time you start a sentence, he can finish it. So really, we ought to be able well, to talk to him, right? And, and Ansley, when you listen to him talk, he sounds like a a future head coach. He's kind of got oh, that. Yeah, says a lot, but says a little kind of good thing going on. He, he can um, he can, he can use a lot of words while nothing comes out. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, listening to Cheney was like it was kind of like going back on a time machine for those of us that were around Mm -hmm. or well for of the people in this room only ryan and i were were in that room and he don't um, he don't coach speak no he uh and he's very kind of jovial and it's almost like he enjoys like just it's very conversational when you're talking uh to him even in a press conference setting where it's he's on a podium sitting and you're out in the audience so yeah when he was done talking he was like i'll get up in a minute he sort of sat there and <laughs> yeah. lingered for another 45 it, seconds it, it's, it's funny the way the studio is set up um you know Pruitt usually walks around there's like 
the studio, when you walk into the uh, Ray and Lucy Hand Digital Studio down in the, in the complex, um, there's like this divider in the middle. Pruitt usually walks around the other side of it from where we are and mm-hmm. then goes to the podium. Chaney just walked right down the middle of the aisle. He didn't walk around behind it. Yep. Walked right in front of where uh, UT puts its camera to record these things. Like, so, being, like being introduced in a starting yeah, lineup he, in he basketball just, yeah, where you're like, like high-fiving people on each side. Yeah, <laughs> he just came right down the middle and was just, you know, he just did things his own way. And so, um, but, you know, there was very informative and he had some really interesting things to say that I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on here shortly. Yeah, and there was also the first major scrimmage of, of spring. I believe there's going to be one more big scrimmage and then they will have – the third and final one will be the the Chevrolet take that forward orange and white game, and from brought to you what, by the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Brought to you by the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Clearly, you know it's the uh, the Chevrolet the Chevrolet orange and white game. Brought to you by the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. But uh, before that, there has been a scrimmage, and from that scrimmage, of which again we saw nothing, but we did speak to Jeremy Pruitt, and we did speak to a couple of the players, and and some some, some familiar themes. Seemed to pop up uh, from from what I could put together. It seems like uh, the first team offense had a pretty decent day. Um, didn't have a lot of explosive plays, which Pruitt would have liked to have seen more of that. Uh, but he did like the fact they drove the ball down the field. He liked the fact they put together a couple good drives. On the flip side of that, though, and, and this is the the ultimate catch twenty two for a head football coach is that if one side of the ball does something right. Sometimes it's because the other side of the ball screwed up. And he does not like and he has not liked all spring the inability of this first-team defense to generate turnovers. That's something that is a big part of what he wants to do. He wants to be aggressive. He wants them to pick their spots. But when they pick them, he wants them to come away with the ball. But some of Tennessee's best players on defense are just guys who don't naturally create or force a lot of turnovers. You know, Warriors never really been a a turnover generator. Batuli, not really a turnover generator. Uh, not a lot of sack strip guys uh, up front or on the edge. Daryl Taylor's done it a couple times, but but not too much. So yeah, really, really the only two guys, the only guys I shouldn't say two, the only guys that sort of have shown that they can generate turnovers consistently is, is we've seen Daryl Taylor do it in flashes, and yeah. um, I, I think the ball skills of, of the guy of uh, Alante Taylor and Bryce Thompson are probably mm-hmm. those are probably yep. the two best defensive playmakers guys that'll uh, make a positive play for you and a negative play for the offense. But you're right. They got a lot of guys that, that and Pruitt likes to say, uh, you know, if you're not forcing turnovers on Friday night as a high school player, you're not going to do it on Saturday. If you don't do it on Saturday, you're not going to do it on Sunday in the NFL. And so it's kind of an innate uh, ability. You yeah, have it or you don't. Yeah. And so I, I think he's trying to get more guys that, um, and we talked about this a little bit in recruiting. They recruit guys that play both sides of the ball. They're used to having the ball in their hands. They're used to, you know, playing the ball in there and, and all those kinds of things. So they don't. They're still trying to build that on this defense. And I think this whole defense overall um, remains very much a, a work in progress. They got a lot of question marks. I think in the front seven, obviously the defensive line. They did some good things in, uh, pass rush wise in the scrimmage, uh, but stopping the run uh, again was an issue um, yep. and probably will be. And, and Pruitt this week was very uh, kind of pumping the brakes a little bit on. I don't want to say the freak out about the defensive line, but the concerns there, saying, "Hey, you know, it's not a complete group right now." So. Um, and it's a group of guys that really haven't played a whole lot. So um, defensively, I think they got some some strides to go. But I think offensively, you're seeing some positives. And, and frankly, you should. I think they've got really good playmakers in a lot of positions. They've got guys that can make plays. They don't they don't have guys that are uh, a receiver that can take short catches and, and go to the house. But um, they've got some reliable players there, and they just need to get some some progress from the offensive line. I think they could they could be much better on offense. Yeah. Before we talk about the offense, real quick, I do want to mention you brought up a really interesting point there when you. Um, you brought up Bryce Thompson again, and it just seems like, for whatever reason, and I maybe I'm just completely inventing this out of thin air, but it seems to me like Bryce Thompson is a guy 
who we just don't ever talk about enough. Yeah. Because we talk about, maybe it's because he doesn't come out, he hasn't come out and done media interviews yet, and, and so he, he kind of loses, you know, you get removed from the season, so you don't think about him as much because you still think more about Elante Taylor maybe because Tennessee recruited him for longer and he was a big part of the class and, and he's got such natural playmaking ability that, that we talk about him. And sometimes it seems like Bryce Thompson just kind of, is stellar, but he does it kind of under the radar somehow. And he is a really good football player. When I think about this Tennessee, the, this Tennessee football team, and you think about, you know, if they really want to take the next step, they need some real difference makers. That kid's a difference maker. That kid's a genuine potential star. And uh, he he's a guy that when I think about this team and what it could do next season, and I, I, I tend to think out in my, in my head, the list of pros, cons, you know, this could work, this could not work. You know, they look okay here, don't look okay there. I, I kind of forget sometimes about Bryce Thompson, and, and he's really, really good. I think that's something that, you know, with him and then Buchanan and, and Taylor there, they feel really good about their top three corners, and they probably should. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of holes on this team, but I think it's easy as beat writers and, and people who cover the team consistently and have done so for years, it's easy to poke holes in things and forget about, wait, they're actually pretty good here. And I think they're they're pretty good there. I mean, I don't know if they're – I'm not saying they got three All-Americans, but, I mean, they're pretty good at that position, aren't they? Yeah. Should be. Natural talent, for sure. I, I think you always – I mean, no player is a finished product as a freshman. So I'm always interested in seeing how a guy's going to go from that freshman year to sophomore year. There's more, more tape for f- teams to yeah. exploit. And, and yeah, you've got you've to gotta continue to improve, not just – get cocky based on having a pretty good freshman year that kind of thing so we've seen guys before, but you got to be cocky at corner oh you do you do but we've seen guys before sometimes have, they'll have that really good freshman year and then from then on maybe not make as many plays you know can he continue that this year and if he can you're you're right that secondary could be pretty pretty good in a year or two and and it is already solid now and definitely one of the one of the strengths of that defense that obviously has a lot of question marks but one thing and i think this is evident again from from the first scrimmage this is something that we have discussed plenty is that for all the kind of you know for all the concerns about the offensive line and let me let me be blunt there's a reason for those concerns uh, they have to get a lot better but for all of those concerns it seems again like from everything that we've heard, the first-team offensive line is is getting the best of the first-team defensive line. And, and you know, the first-team defensive line, the, it, it's a, that's a group replacing its three it's three starters from last season. I mean, there's three position players there who start, and they all were seniors last year. And, and so those guys are gone. Uh, they've got four guys who will be contributors in the season who are not there right now in the spring. So – and I, 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 don't, I don't want this to sound – degrading I really don't but when I think about that defensive line I think about what Dooley used to say about his defensive line sometimes it's like are there going to be some good players here or is this just going to be kind of the sack of potatoes is this going to be the kind of group that they're just kind of all about the same you know none of them are really terrible but none of them are really great they're just kind of okay and against good teams they're going to get exposed and some of those guys are young so it's it's way premature to think things like that but Again, it seems like that offensive line is getting the better of the defensive line, and it just goes to show you that we know that offensive line has room to grow too. So when we when you hear that, you think, hmm, you know, there that that that's a that's that's concern that's concerning. Yeah, this this is kind of I mean, it, so far this spring it's been about what I kind of thought it would be like both offensive line and hashtag de- Ryan knew. Well, <laughs> but both the I wasn't going to say it. I'm glad you did. But both the offensive line and defensive line we knew were not 
they still had a long way to go. And, yeah. and what we've heard so far this spring is kind of the same thing. I mean, people are, you know, they've heard about some concerns here and there with the offensive line said, oh, no, here we go again. Now, the reality is you're not going to have a miracle and just turn things around 180 degrees, you know, in the spring. You've got to, first of all, they've got Mwanye Morris here, but they're still waiting on Darnell Wright. You know, you're getting. You didn't go Mike Tyson on that and say turn around 360 uh, degrees. Yeah. I, I, I thought about, was it him? I thought it was a football player that said that. I thought it was both of them. I know. Oh, yeah, I know. Probably. Mike Tyson was fading to Bolivia. Oh, okay. Fading to Bolivian. Yeah. But go on. So, uh, so yeah, you're still still waiting on Darnell Wright. You're still getting Brandon Kennedy back in the mix after his injury last year. You know that Trey Smith's not out there in, in full contact. There's still a lot of things about this offensive line that are, are sort of works in progress. And then, but you've got more options at least. It's a better situation. And when you compare it, like you said, to that defensive line, I think the defensive line is still the bigger concern. I think the defensive line. I mean, even if you get Aubrey Solomon cleared to play this year, I think it's a better looking situation. But even then, you've got some question marks. So it's, it's it, a you need those guys coming in this summer, as Jeremy Pruitt pointed out the other day. You need those guys to help right away. You need Savion Williams and and ideally Darrell Middleton too to be ready to play some football. But this at year. least Savion Williams at has got. I mean, I know that there's there's always concerns when a JUCO comes in about what kind of shape he's going to be in. Yeah. If I'm if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, I find somebody who's close to to Savion Williams. Back there, if it's in his hometown or if he's wherever he is now, he's find, in find someone. Yeah. Well, let's call Michael Scott yeah. um, and figure out. Okay, who who's who's someone I can trust around this kid who will make sure that he is doing the workouts exactly as they're supposed to be done because they so desperately. This can't be a, a. This really does need to be a situation where this is a JUCO guy who gets in shape in November. Mm-hmm. They they really really need him to be ready to go. Yeah, but and and I, I think. You know, we knew all along this defensive line was going to be a a, pro, a, a process. It was going to be a work in, you know, a work in progress. They're not going to be finished by the tenth or eleventh spring practice. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at this, this group. I don't, I don't know that they flipped a position on the roster as quick as they flipped this one. I mean, even the most quote unquote known quantity of the group, Emmett Gooden, hasn't even been on campus a year. Yeah. Um, you look at, you know, you compare this position group now to where it was a year ago. The only guys that were on the defensive line last year was, you know, was Matthew Butler. Greg Emerson was here, but coming off an injury um you know latrell bumpus and jaquane blakely were here but they were practicing at tight end mm-hmm. um and then the other guys were all summer guys guys like hashtag kingston, cowboy kingston harris and uh Carl garland who hasn't practiced this spring John that, i think that's a big deal because uh, he's, I, I, he's I like, a big boy because Carl garland looks the part about yeah. as well as any of those guys do and that doesn't always mean tennessee's had some look like tarzan play like jane guys i mean that let's call that what it is but he looks good, and so him not being out there all spring, which has basically been confirmed now that he won't be out all that he won't be there all spring. Mm-hmm. That is uh, that that's not helping that group. Yeah, and it's just it's a situation where for a lot of these guys, this is their first spring practice. A lot of guys, a lot of these guys didn't play a whole lot last year, um, other than Gooden. You know, Mincy played in five games, and the other guys all didn't play enough to uh, you know. Kingston Harris on the offensive line most of the year. So and, and Gooden was very Darrell no was very Daryl Taylor with his uh really good week and then yeah, I mean, disappeared and it's, week. It's everyone knew from the start this was gonna be a, a process and it was gonna be, you know, how much progress can they make this spring? And again, I've said it before, if they can find a way to leave spring practice feeling decent about this situation, be like, Okay, all right, there's some things we like here, there's some things we can build on this summer and in preseason camp, and maybe we'll be okay. If they can get to that point and I don't know how close they are to it. Then they, you know, then that's that would be a good spring for that defensive line. Uh, on the flip side, though, 
Uh, on the offensive line, there were a couple things that that Pruitt said during his press availability earlier this week that kind of brought my my sports righty senses kind of pop, popped up a little bit. Don't ever say sports righty that, senses ever yeah. ever again. No, that that's ever. okay. Then I'm going to say it again. My sports righty senses. Hmm. What are you going to do? I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. He cringed. I saw it. But the uh, when he mentioned Karon Calvert in a good way. Yeah. That got my attention pretty quickly because that kid showed up um, looking like he had a little bit of work to do, kind of physically getting in shape. But that kid looks like a million bucks just sitting there walking around. He looks like an SEC offensive lineman. He has that sort of that body. He looks, you know, he's big but not fat. He he's got big hands. You know, he's powerful. Um, and, he looks like you want an SEC offensive guard to look. Yeah, he does, and and he's got that. You know, when you hear about that so much rawness from a player, you know, because he had some injury issues in high school, you know, didn't play for a little bit. That that can be a bad thing. It also could be a good thing because you don't have as many bad habits to correct. You can you can be coachable. And, and those guys are usually appreciative of the of the of the being at a place like Tennessee. So they're gonna give you everything they have all the time. And he has always had I thought the ability to step out and do this, but when a guy has, you know, all those knee injuries and those problems, and you just you wonder, will he ever be able to to put the whole thing together? But we're sitting here right now; he's still just a sophomore, third year sophomore, and if he's going to turn around and start being a good player, boy, that really helps the calculus up front. Like that really makes you think, like, okay, that that gives you another good option there. And, like, right now, if the season started today, right now, there's a chance that, it, like, Ryan Johnson might not be in the lineup yeah, right now. Uh, you mentioned what Pruitt said earlier this week. I, I'm, my theory is that, that he just named his current starting five on the offensive line. Yeah. Because he only – this is a guy that last year wasn't even naming players. You know, he's very selective with who he uh, compliments in, 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 me, in, in media settings. And he named uh, five offensive linemen, all of them who kind of play different positions. Uh, I, I think Halbert was the first guy he named. Uh, Which so, shows that he had a pretty good scrimmage, and so that's uh, that's notable that that that's a guy that's coming along. The other, I think the other trend that, or the other storyline that sort of developed is is Jerome Carvin working a lot at center, and they seem to mm-hmm. uh, have liked what he's done there. Both Pruitt and Jim Chaney uh, saying last week that 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 Carvin's done a nice job, and uh, you look at Carvin, he's got this played every position on the offensive line just about. Uh, Doesn't it seem like the staff uh, kind of runs hot and cold with um, him? Like it just totally depends on what day you ask them about Carvin, depending on what. No, nah, Pruitt, Pruitt was compliment. You know, Pruitt was pretty complimentary of him last week, talking about him playing center. No, but so. I mean, like since he's been on campus, it seems like he's gone from oh man, he could like start pretty soon to like eh, you know trying to figure out where he well, fits best, and it just seems like it, it kind of ran the gamut. Last well, they year. they were pleased with what he did last spring, and then he he had a foot injury that sidelined him in the yeah. summer. That's what really kind of set him back, and I I think the the version. Uh, Jerome Carvin that you saw on the field was one that was a little bit rusty and obviously a guy that was playing SEC football for the first time. So uh, there were a lot of times where he looked like a freshman um, at guard in some games and had some some misses and, and some things like that. So, um, But obviously they like his versatility, and, and it's interesting to me that they're working him so much at center. He did that a little bit last year uh, as sort of an emergency third option when after Brandon Kennedy went down. But, but you know, you're bringing the two guys back that started every game for you at center last year. So – uh, it's interesting that they're giving a different guy a look at that position when a lot of us, I think, going into spring assumed, oh, it'll be either Kennedy or most likely it'll be Kennedy and then Ryan Johnson. So, uh, And the other guy, the other, I think, name that he mentioned that's interesting was Wanye Morris. He said that he's done a nice job. Um, and the fact that it, it sounded like that Wanye did pretty well and got a lot of first-team work with the uh, at left tackle in, in the scrimmage the other night is is it's a good sign for, for his early development. And 
Um, he's a guy that if he had a good spring, you could see that him using that as a springboard to potentially being a day one starter. So uh, let's not you know crown him just yet, but uh, certainly a, a, a situation there that um, you know if he's having a good if he's dr- drawing positive reviews and making a good impression already, I think that that bodes well for him. And the other two guys are guys I think we've mentioned on here that that the staff has liked before, and that's Jameer Johnson and Nathan Niehaus. Um, I, I think the staff likes Jameer's kind of tenacity and toughness in the way he plays the game. And uh, I think there's some of those similarities with Niehaus too, who's uh, done a good job and looks like he's going to be, uh, if they were playing a game on Saturday, I think he'd probably be their, their starting right tackle. We'll have to see what, you know, what Darnell Wright says about that when he gets here. But um, that would be the, the five guys he named. If you're slotting them into a realistic starting lineup, it would be Wanya at left tackle, Jimmy Johnson at left guard, Carvin at center, Calvert at right guard, and then Niehaus at right tackle. So you're leaving some good, you know, some quality guys out there. It's, it's a, uh, Ryan that, Johnson started every game for you last year. Brandon Kenny was a guy you brought in to be your starting center, and um, you know Marcus Tatum's a guy that's started games and, and did okay last year at left tackle. And then, um, and, and yeah, so you're, you know, that's a, those are five names that he mentioned that you know if you put them in that lineup, it wouldn't, you know, you, you know, feel probably good about that. What's interesting bit. is that that's the uh, is as talent as talented as he is. Uh, that still would present a situation where you've you've got the four scariest words in college football, which is freshman at left tackle, yes. uh, which is terrifying. But uh, Bama's See, done I, it. I Other people have I done don't, it. I don't. I don't. I don't really. I'm not buying that a whole lot. If you're good, you're good. Yeah, but in this day and age, you know, when you've when you've been, same, same, I'm going to say the same thing with Darnell Wright. Mm-hmm. If you're good enough to start, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman or should be in a tenth grader. If you're good enough to start, you're good enough so to start. So you you think not ever playing a game in front of more than a few thousand people, and then you go. Um, I don't think who you, you play you in front of is that big a deal. I think if you're going to pick, you don't think the are, settings, the surroundings. I mean, I know for kickers it matters more than other people because that's a different kind of position. But still, like I, I'd be more worried about him going up against a guy that could be a first round pick in the 2020 NFL draft, which is going to happen. I just think also Alabama, like or you go whoever. you go on the road in this league. I mean, that's it's loud, that's a, it's hostile. That's thing, though, if you're, you, if how many times is he going to be offsides? If you're know. if you're good enough to play and you're good enough to you know mature enough to to do that then who cares if you're a freshman if he's your best option you got to play him there coaches seem to care because they don't like to do it well maybe they should (laughs) Juwan James James was you know he started every game of his career came in right away started right tackle that's true and uh, Michael Munoz came in at Tennessee and started left tackle as a true freshman and he was okay so we've seen guys do it and would have had a nice NFL career if not for his injury injury issues well Juwan James is what the NFL's highest paid right tackle now so Mm -hmm. I mean obviously that was a pretty it takes a special guy for you to even Derek even Derek Dooley knew not to keep him out of starting lineup hey Derek Dooley knew offense all right yeah there's a lot of things that maybe he doesn't know so well, but uh, the guy's offenses are pretty nice. We'll see what he does without Drew Locke this year, but, I mean, his his offenses. And I apologize for a second there. I got distracted because there's a cat that I don't know. That cat's know, been there for 30 minutes. But he was – no, he he was sitting in, like, the – basically, like, plowing into the poppy that I just planted over there, and uh, it made me a little nervous. I'm not going to I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. It made me a little nervous. But, yeah, the um, that whole scenario up front, I think is even if it's going a little bit like we expected, it still is, you know, you can sit there and say all day long that you're not really worried about the defensive line yet because there's a long time to go until the season starts. And we knew it wasn't going to be settled after 10 or 11 days, but the, you know, every day that that expires is another day closer to the season starting. And at some point those guys are going to have to go out there and play. And we have seen it so many times if you're not at least decent up front defensively, it's hard to be good anywhere else. Uh, it's just 
it's hard to generate pass rush without blitzing. Uh, it's hard to not give up five yards a rush. It's hard to not do a lot of things that it just, you know, it, it's like that old Paterno quote about, you know, you know, the team with the best defensive tackle, defensive tackle is usually going to win. And that that's a tough situation for Tennessee. But flipping it back over to offense, uh, we did hear from Jim Chaney, and we have heard from a couple of Jim Chaney's players about Jim Chaney now. And, and I think that one very, very familiar theme that we're seeing with players talking about Chaney, and I'll, I'll lead – uh, I'll lead with this and then let y'all go into what Jim Chaney talked about because y'all were there and I was uh, in the Midwestern United States, even though Pat won't call it the Midwest. And you were in Louisville. Louisville resents that. Louisville is not in the Midwest. Kentucky's also not in the Southeast, so I don't know what you call it. Louisville is the disputed South. The Ohio River Valley? I mean, what are you going to call it? Like, I don't know. Like no man's land. Yeah, yeah, it's somewhere between the South and Midwest. Yeah, it's its own little provincial region. Mm-hmm. It's its own. They need. We need another another Kentuckiana or something. <laughs> just call it. Just call it that. The um. But what all these players have said, and and this is different players from offensive linemen like Ryan Johnson have mentioned this. Quarterback Jared Garantano has mentioned this. Running back uh, Ty Chandler has mentioned this. A couple of the wide receivers, including Jawan Jennings, have recently mentioned this. That Jim Chaney has does a couple things that all players love. One positive energy he's going to get on you but when you do it the right way he's going to tell you you did it the right way and he's a guy who who when you walk into the building you're never unhappy to see Jim Chaney you know he's always got a joke for you he's always got kind of a you know smile for you he's always got a funny story to tell you he's got something and then when you go talk about football he's going to be he has positive energy about it you keep hearing that phrase a lot positive energy and on the field you can see that because he'll get after guys First, that with your negative energy. Yeah, that's true. And then you, well, I'm not, they're not paying me to be the football coach. And you go there and you watch practice and you see that. And you see other guys on the staff too, like Niedermeyer have that too, that kind of real positive energy that, hey, I'm going to get on you if you don't do this. But when you do it the right way, I'm going to come slap you on the backside. I'm going to come pop you on the helmet and be like, that. that's exactly what I want. And, and players love that. And second, and just as importantly, is that Jim Chaney has an ability that every good coach, in every sport has. He can take very complex concepts and he can make them sound simple. He can, he can build you up to a way that he, he, can, he can find a way to teach you the information you need to know. Like he'll size you up and be like, okay, I'm not going to use these words with this guy. I'm going to use these words. And I'm going to make these guys understand that what we're doing is going to it, it, it's it's complex, but but it, we're going to make it seem simple to you. And you hear this kind of confidence from players now because one of them said, uh, I think it was Tyler Bird the other day, said that, you know, hey, he goes, I've seen enough with this offense already to know that wide receiver run blocking is going to be more important because we're going to be better running the ball. He said there's going to be a lot more times where because of these schemes – we're getting to the second level. There's no doubt about it. We are getting running backs to the second level. And after that, it becomes, can I seal my guy and make it a 50-yard run, or is it going to be like a 10, 20-yard run? And you see this kind of confidence from players, and Chaney's really good about getting his players to do this. And, and when you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world because, one, the guy's offenses are usually always really good. Two, and this is the thing Pruitt has mentioned more than anything else, is that Chaney is really good at taking what he has and running an offense around it. He'll run it 40 times a game, he'll throw it 40 times a game, or he'll run it and throw it 25 times each. He will do whatever is necessary for whatever offense he has to succeed. So he is able to take basically this big puzzle 
and put it together. And I'm not saying this means Tennessee is going to go out there and drop 40 a game in year one under Cheney. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that there seems to be no doubt whatsoever in anyone's mind that they are better. They believe in what they're doing, and they believe in this guy. And I, that that seems to me as universal a theme as I've been able to to get from this spring so far. And when Cheney talked to y'all the other day, which I sadly missed because I do not like missing Jim Cheney media opportunities. They are always fun. Well, you might get one in August. Maybe Probably not mm-hmm. though. Maybe maybe we'll have a standing invitation for him to come join the Go Vol Twenty Four Seven podcast. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm guessing it'll be a cold day in hell before that ever happens. But the request will be out there. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, he 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 touched on a couple of things talking about just the players and around. You wrote this story. Uh, him talking about how, as a young coach, when he had Drew Brees, uh, and they were lighting up scoreboards at Purdue, basketball and grass, he thought he was you know hot stuff as mm-hmm. an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, and, and he said that you know when Drew Brees left, you kind of feel like, oh, okay, now what? Now I'm not so yeah. hot. I have, and, and, I, I, have and the way I have crap. He, I have Kyle Orton now. And the way he <laughs> explained it was, um, you know, when you're a young coach, you 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 just kind of say it's about you know it's about the players. Yeah. Um, and, you're and confident. He, yeah, you're kind of cocky. You're kind of cocky in your own still in your own abilities, but you say, oh, it's you know it's about the players. But now when you know when you've been through a bunch of different places, like he's been coached a variety of offenses, had a lot of versatility and, and done it and been successful in a lot of different ways, you realize that it really is about the players. And I think what he said was that, you know, the 11 guys on the field are a representation of you. And so you have to get them to do it right and you have to play to their strengths. And the other thing is that he, um, you know, he, he was still open and saying that he's still kind of learning the personality and learning the personnel of, the, of this offense. And, you know, he, he didn't, uh, he, he watched every game of, of last season. Um, he wasn't watching to see, uh, you know what Tyson Helton was doing wrong or, or anything like that. He was he was mainly just evaluating players, and he said he 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 would jot down a few paragraphs on each guy. We'd love to read those, yes. the three of us, uh, just to see what he thinks of some yeah. guys. That would be really funny uh, and really interesting to see what, yeah, what number, he saw. Number, number whatever sucks. Yeah, just you know, <laughs> this guy can't block anybody. You know all these things, and so um, you know he he didn't sort of you know, and, and you see that a lot with new coaches, you know, they'll watch film of, of last season, but they won't, you know, they'll put more emphasis and more uh, value on what they see with their own eyes and, and evaluating guys in the spring. So uh, I think he's still in the process of learning this personnel. I do think he, he's starting to figure out who some of his playmakers are going to be. I think we saw some of those guys have, have good performances in the scrimmage, guys like Ty Chandler, uh, Dominic Wood Anderson, or as Jeremy Prude calls him, Dom Woods Anderson, mm-hmm. um, Dom Woods Anderson, uh, who better know, than his feels of me one, which I'm telling you that that might be a part of the intro from now on. I'm going to get the the audio from that, and that 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 could make its way. It was good. Uh, what was it? Films aim, Phil's yeah, aims, film, yeah. films aim. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and I I think any of us who who have you know we've seen Jim Cheney and know enough about him to know that he loves to use the tight end, and and mm-hmm. he's got a guy like Wood Anderson. He's gonna that he he probably saw that guy the first time and said I'm going to use that guy a lot. So guys like Josh Palmer. Uh, he, he talked pretty, you know, he thinks the strength of his offense right now is the receiving course. When he's a star, veterans, people so. are going to have to apologize to him, um, by the way, when Josh Palmer proves well, he's Let's a just star. make it about you, Wes. That's all. Let's just make it about you. <laughs> that one thing I'm making about me, but go um, on. But, uh, yeah, and so, you know, he, he talked a lot about, you know, it, having to kind of learn this this team and learn this personnel, and uh, and that's something I think he's in the process still of doing. But I think he, uh, as I mentioned, um you know, some of the obvious names that you see as potential playmakers for this team are, are guys that I think are going to have a chance to make a lot of plays for you know, for Tennessee within this offense. Uh, the, the thing I thought was really interesting, I know a lot of people there probably thought it was interesting that day, to hear him sort of compare Jarrett Garantano to – 
Jonathan Crompton and and talk about because that you know that was a reclamation project. Lane Kiffin gets a lot of credit for that, but Jim Cheney certainly was involved in helping Crompton become a serviceable SEC quarterback after he was really not good. A fifth round draft pick. Yeah. He goodbye JG Hello Cromptano. Yeah. So he so he was asked to compare uh to compare Garantano to Crompton and Nathan Peterman, two guys that you know, remember he found success with Peterman at Pittsburgh. Quarterback whisperer. After he left Tennessee. He was there for one year. Uh interestingly I did look up some of those stats from his years, uh at, at his past years at other stops. Pitt at Pittsburgh he still ranked higher nationally in rushing offense than passing offense but Peterman did play well that year and he got him to the NFL and I, I hearing some of the way he talked about Jarrett Garantano though made you think he does see a lot of potential there he sees some raw tools uh yeah we just watch routes on and, air I and mean, obviously my goodness and obviously look, look at what he did last year he took care of the ball there's a lot to work work with there and I, I thought it was it's got to be encouraging if you're a Tennessee fan to hear him talk about Jarrett Garantano having a lot of things in common mentally with Crompton and with, and with Peterman guys that they, they hate making mistakes. And, and Peterman's made a lot of mistakes in his career. He's thrown a lot of interceptions in the NFL. Peterman, but, Peterman is the best case study I've ever seen in human resiliency. Yeah. That is the most resilient. You say whatever you want about Nathan Peterman, you cannot knock him out. He will, yeah. he has no shame and he will step right back up and try again and find a way. And I think People have made so many Nathan Peterman jokes, but he's a great, great, great dude. And I'm just, he's as resilient as any person I've ever seen. The crazy Peterman stat is in 2016, he led the ACC in passer rating when the ACC had Deshaun Watson, Mitchell Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, uh, I think Daniel Jones, who might Mm -hmm. be uh, one of the top, one of the, you know, first handful of quarterbacks taken. And this draft was a freshman. Um, there's one other name in there I can't think of off the top of my head, but you know, just a, a really good quarterback league, and he was the guy that led that league and passed ready. But Ryan, go ahead. I was, like, was that the year Cheney? That was 2016, but Cheney, Cheney was left. not there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but that one Peterman, year we worked with him. Maybe. Peterman still had. I mean, if if you saw him at Tennessee and watched him play in games at Tennessee, and you saw his pit stats in 2015, you'd still be like, "There's no way." Yeah. I mean, he was. I think it was around 20 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Mm-hmm. I think he was fourth in the league in passer rating. Um, so, I don't know how he got over what Lorenzo Carter did to him. Yeah, I mean, you just you, you saw My where goodness, he, you, know, you know, the Florida game in was it thirteen? Mm-hmm. Was that fourteen? Thirteen. It was thirteen. The Georgia game where he, you know, at, at, at his minimal um, opportunities in Tennessee, he looked very out of place. Yeah. Because Bush Jones put him in positions to fail, but that's another topic. He put a lot of guys in positions. To hey, fail. first career start, go on to the swamp. What's what, what's the worst but, thing that's going to happen? But yeah, I mean, you you know, and, and certainly I think reclamation project is what I don't want to say that that's what Jerry Garantano is. I think he's but, yeah, but he's, he's better but he, than that. But he's but. um he, he's not had it bad as bad as Crompton did. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's there's similarities there in that you know Garantano's on his fourth offensive coordinator. I think Crompton was on his third. Yeah, when Kane, uh, when when Lane yes. and Cheney were there, yeah. um, it took a lot of heat. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, if you ask 50 people about Jerry Garantano, you've got 50 different opinions. Um, and and the key is all those guys, uh, yeah, don't think about so much, okay, Crompton and and, and Peterman, what they do in the NFL? It's not about that. It's about the fact that they got better under Jim Chaney. I think if you're looking at that. Markedly and, better. Yeah. and if They became winners at the college level, which is yeah. first and foremost what Tennessee <laughs> so, needs. So when you hear Jim Chaney say that, that obviously, I think that bodes well. And you saw a little bit of a – a little bit of excitement on his face talking about Jarrett Garantano. I think he's I think he's optimistic about what he can do, especially with those receivers and that tight end around him. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's a lot to like about the potential of this offense. And and I think that you forget things and I didn't know I knew it was something like this, but I didn't know exactly how much it was. Their top eight pass catchers from last season are back. Everybody that every receiver that caught a pass last year is back. Yeah. 
And then, I mean, and then other than, you know, the RIP Eli Wolf, other than him leaving, I mean, early yeah. that they, they, everybody, every tight end, like all those guys who were contributors on that offense basically are back. And now, and I, I mean, absolutely no, no disrespect to Tyson Helton because I, I think he and Pruitt did not work together as well as either of them thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't a deal where, I think either one of them was necessarily right and the other was wrong. And I'm not just saying this to to, to placate anything. Just what a bad I, fit. I think it was just a situation where Helton wanted to play a certain way. Tennessee wasn't good enough to play that way. Pruitt wanted to play a certain way. Tennessee was not good enough to play that way. And when you put those two factors together, uh, you're going to get just – you're going to get – you're going to get bad results and you're going to get bad chemistry. That's just what you're going to get because neither coach – they both feel like they're having to give a little bit all the time to the other one to do what the other one wants them to do, um, but they're not good enough to do pretty much anything very well. So when you put all that together, that's that that movie never ends well. So I think that the difference now, all those guys have had a year of experience. All those guys have had a year under Pruitt's program. They know who's the sheriff. They're they're good. They they know what the rules are. More importantly, I think when you hire an offensive coordinator like Jim Chaney, when you're a head coach, that gives you, especially when you're a head coach who's a defensive-minded guy, you're not basically – you're not just saying, here, Jim, here's the keys to the offense. I'm not even going to bother you. You're not doing that because you're the head coach and you're responsible for it. But at the end of the day, you're going to trust Chaney. When you hire a guy and you pay him that much and you look at his results and you look at where he's done it, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to this offense is yours for the most part. Now I might, I might say whether we're going to go for it or I might say we're running it too much or throwing Mm -hmm. it too much right now, but, but I'm going to let you run your offense. And I think that leads to much better chemistry because there's just a trust factor there. Knowing a guy years ago is one thing. Knowing a guy's like career curriculum vitae is, is a completely different thing. And he knows what he's going to get from Cheney for the most part. So he's going to let him do his thing. And I think that helps chemistry both ways because it allows Pruitt to do what he really wants to do, which is spend most of his time with defense. Mm-hmm. And Cheney doesn't have to worry about a coach kind of breathing down his neck most of the time. I would say that, that the biggest thing about Cheney this spring and, and maybe the, the biggest theme to come out of spring practice that I, I can let him talk to the media already, which yeah, is yeah. shocking. I was gonna say, is the trust just across the board in Jim Cheney from the players to Jeremy Pruitt? And I think I'll throw even the coaches, the offensive coaches, yeah, in there too. Absolutely. So I, I think that's a it's made a big difference already. Um, you know, we'll see what the results <laughs> are on the field this season, but yeah, when you Pruitt envisioned, like you said, being able to spend more time focusing on defense and sort of letting the offense be Jim Chaney's to manage. Also, he's got six six assistant coaches on that side of the ball. There's a lot more reason to think, especially with Jim Chaney roaming, as he talked about the benefits of, of I believe you asked the question, Patrick, about, about not having to be a position coach. He's like, yeah, isn't that great? Um, he's like, it's not my fault if anything goes wrong. Yeah, yeah so, so he but he, he said that is freeing him up. I to, am noticing him spend more time with the O-line than other places, yeah, though, so and, far. And he has more of a background in that. When he went to the NFL to join the St. Louis Rams, it was his offensive line coach first, and then he stuck around to be tight ends coach the final year there. So, yeah, that is, if he has an area of expertise, I know he gets a lot of talk for the quarterback, production he's gotten over the years but offensive line might be his specialty so it's not surprising to hear that but also yeah let's face it we've talked about it a bunch it's the biggest question mark on this entire offense for Tennessee if that line doesn't get better 
it's going to be hard for Tennessee's offense to, to have a good year, regardless of what Garantano, Ty Chandler, and all those guys do. So he needs them to improve, and that's why I'm sure he's doing that. But also, yeah, he's he's a pretty good offensive line coach in his own right, so he knows how to how to get, lend a, a useful set of second eyes to that group that that can help help out Will Friend and give them some additional insight. Who also there. is a good O line coach. Yeah, and they and not only that, but they're able to. I mean, they're doing this anyway, but they're sort of splitting up into half line units. On, on both sides of the practice field. Sometimes Cheney helps out with one a little bit while Will Friend works a little bit with the others. So Yeah, sometimes they're not just two-spotting. They're like three-spotting or four-spotting. Yeah. They're getting a lot of reps. They in. are. And so I, all that's good for Tennessee. But, yeah, I think the trust in Jim Cheney across the board might be the most encouraging development for Tennessee this spring, just the fact that he's able to uh, to do so much and that this this team and all the players seem to really believe in him. I, I think that was something else that, that he pointed out, too, and I asked him about, you know, is this, was this walk-around role something that he wanted? He said, it. you know, it's been helpful – uh, it's, it's, it's helped them install things quicker, mm-hmm. and he and he said that the 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 um, the rest of the staff has done a really good job. Uh, he gave those guys a good compliment. And you always wonder when you bring in an offensive coordinator, but you don't let him sort of bring in his own guys. I think Tennessee fans were jaded by the Bob Shoop deal. the Shoop the Shoop corollary. Um, I, I don't know if that's why Bob Shoop failed. I think the reason Bob Shoop fails because he and Butch Jones were two entirely different people, and, and they didn't get to do what he wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. So and, and his best linebackers got hurt. That too routinely. Um, yeah, and so you know, he he said that you know there's some things that that when he came in that he wanted it done this way, and he said those coaches have been very open and and have, and have you know been very good about learning those things and implementing those things in practice. And so it seems, uh, and of course you would expect him to say that if it was going bad, he 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 actually I don't know Cheney might actually be like yeah it's going pretty bad yeah but the fact that they've had a pretty good start this this not, spring not, I think sort of not backs great up Bob not great Bob the thing that you know that, that they've sort of you know sort of backed it up and so. Uh, and he was very complimentary of T. Martin too, saying mm-hmm. that you know he's been a good sounding board, and even said that they you know they're sort of a friendship going becoming on good there. friends, yeah. Uh, and so that's um, that's an interesting development too. And and Tyler Bird, uh, when I was talking to him the other day, also mentioned that he's really liked playing uh, for T. Martin because he just said he go, he goes there's something about he said when you're a college football player and you're playing in the SEC and you go to work every day knowing that you're going to play. You're you're gonna hear from an SEC champion and a national champion every day. He said that he said that their coaches talk about championship mentality. He goes, we know that Coach Martin has that championship mentality because he wasn't a wide receiver, but he has been an SEC champion. He's been a national champion. He knows what this stuff is like. He and then he you know basically said you know he's tur- helped help turn his son to a heck of a football player too, which yeah. he obviously has. So uh, I mean. They have a confidence level in playing for him that I think is, and it's nothing against Yak, who's yeah. who did a good job with the wide receivers last year, I think, and mm-hmm. and he's, uh, we'll see, but so far the running backs seem to like him too. So so th- there's all kinds of, there's reasons for 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 belief there, but and I think what's interesting is that all four, and it's interesting that that when we're given players, there's usually a reason we're given players, and that's because the coaches okay them talking to us and we get to talk to the wide receivers a lot and there's a reason for that because it's the best position group on the team because the, not just that they're also the most experienced position group on the team mm-hmm. and they're rolling out there they're trotting out four seniors and another junior who could be as good or better than any of them at the pro level so the and, and a couple of umper, you know uh, kind of underclassmen types that i think could be pretty good players too so i, I mean they're Think about it like this: like a guy like Ramel Keaton, who maybe earlier in just ten, you know, a couple of years ago would have had to step in and play at that position group. Now you, you don't have to just be like, okay, you're talented, so we're going to throw you out there. They've got a 
lot of vets who are good players there. And one thing that I've heard routinely throughout this spring, and I even asked Jawan Jennings about this, is that Jawan Jennings is, is healthy. Mm-hmm. And he gave maybe the most Jawan Jennings answer ever uh, when I asked him about this. He said that um, he said that he is 150% healthy and he feels much better than he has in a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, so will you finally admit now that last season you got by on sort of competitive spirit because – you know, athletically and, and physically, you just weren't what you wanted to be. And he said, I'll never say that. He goes, I was like, why? And he said, because, well, I don't think fans care if I'm hurt or not. I don't think opposing players care if I'm hurt or not. So why should I care if I'm hurt or not? If I'm good enough to walk and I can go out there, I can go out there and help the team, and I'm not going to make any excuses about it. Maybe the most Jawan Jennings answer you yes. could ever give, which is saying him basically confirming I do feel better now, and I do feel faster, and I do feel stronger. Uh, but also, uh, I'm not using any of that as an excuse for why I didn't have a bigger year last year. Yeah, and, and, and when you think about it, we really haven't seen a fully healthy Juwan Jennings since the first half of the Georgia Tech game to start the 2017 season. Yep. You, you saw him for less than a game before his 2017 season ended. Yeah, because he's, so. not, he's not a burner. He's never going to be a burner. Yeah. But, but he, he is out there running smoother routes now. He is out yep. there. You know, you don't see him favoring that knee anymore. Uh, you see him out there just playing the game, and he looks more like himself right now. And, and I think that's a huge development for this for this Tennessee offense because if you're throwing out there, you know, guys like you, you put Jennings on one side, Callaway on the other side, you can't double both of them. I mean, there's just no defense designed to do that. And if you do double both of them, then you're leaving craters on the inside to run the ball. So – the numbers, I think you're going to see Tennessee spread the field a lot this year. I don't think that they're going to necessarily always spread it to throw. Right. But I think because of some of those weapons they have in the pass game, they're going to spread those guys out pretty far sometimes because I think they're going to try to get matchups they like out of that. Mm-hmm. And one thing Batuli, Daniel Batuli said this about Tennessee's offense is he was asked to compare this offense to last, season, last season's offense. And in my head I'm thinking he's not going to give any kind of an answer here. This is just not how Tennessee's players are programmed. They're not. He's not going to say anything. He did say that this offense makes you think a lot more than last year's did because there's a lot more movement before the snap. There's a lot more motion, a lot more, you know, kind of alignment tweaks. He goes, as an inside linebacker, he goes, they, they put a lot more on you mentally than they did last year. So that, he said, a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving pieces. So I, I think that is – that's a good sign because if you're spreading the field and you're finding matchups, I mean, think about it like this. If if you put Jennings on one side and you put Callaway on the other and then you motion Wood Anderson to one side of the field or the other, between one of those three guys, Garantano is going to find a matchup he likes. I don't care who you're playing. He's going to find a one-on-one matchup in those three options that he likes. And that's not to mention maybe you take Ty Chandler, move him in the slot, you know, get him going in motion – you might get him matched up on a mic, in which case you throw there all day. So you you, you didn't even mention Josh Palmer, who, who you think who you've already have crowned yourself for. Oh, I'm patting myself on the back pretty hard. Don't hurt your arm for that one. Um, yeah, I need to tap aside. I can't feel that would help. But yeah, I, I think that they have options on this offense that make you think it could be okay. Uh, the questions, of course, are I think more so on the defensive side of the ball. But you know what? Uh, Tennessee has one hell of a defensive coach as its head coach, and I think Tennessee's got a really, really bright young defensive coordinator, and I think Tennessee's got a good defensive staff. So those guys are going to be tested this season. I don't think there's any question about it. I like what they've got 
in the secondary in, in some areas. Um, I, I like – I think Batuli has a chance to have a really nice senior season. Uh, I, I think they have some pieces that you're like, Daryl Taylor off the edge, okay, he, he is a senior. He knows this is his last shot. I think you're going to see a little more consistency out of him if, if he stays healthy. So there are reasons, there are things that you like there, uh, but there are also some things you really don't like, and and so they're going to have to, they're going to be, they're going to be stressed at times. But uh, I think all this to me adds up to a team that um, should not go five and seven again. I, yeah. I don't think, I don't think they're going to be an eight win or nine win team. I just don't. But I think you're going to see uh, some some steps forward. Well, one other thought I had to wait through. West filibuster there, reading the Constitution on the floor of the Senate. Um, well, I mean, I got the Palmer thing right, so yeah. Jim Cheney's already praising the kid, so it's like, one, well, I think that, that was me right. four minutes. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna circle back to the wide receivers, T. Martin. Uh, the, the thing you of, have to host your own radio show. You get used to having to filibuster sometimes. Okay, <laughs> you do. You have to kill time. I think your life is a filibuster, but they still make excuses. It, 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 it 100% is a filibuster. <laughs> That's what my life is. It's a filibuster full of BS. But uh, but he, uh, T. Martin, a couple things have come up when when other players have current players have talked about him. They you know they like that he's a former quarterback himself, and so he tells them and can tell them what quarterbacks like to see. And and uh, I believe it was Marquez Callaway or another receiver earlier this spring pointed out that you know he, he explained why in certain situations. If you do this on a route, the quarterback's immediately going to look away from you because he's going to think you're not going to get open, and he's going to move on to somebody else. So he's been able to tell tell them things like that from a quarterback's perspective that have helped them in, in technique. And this is Marquez Callaway, a guy who's been playing three years already uh, and gotten a lot of experience at Tennessee. So to hear things like that, I think that's a good sign. Obviously, on top of that, T. Martin's got a good resume now. He's put guys in the NFL at USC, so they're listening to him even more. Yep. So I think even though David Johnson's a guy they respected a lot, I think there are multiple reasons they look at T. Martin uh, maybe a little bit differently, and, and his words carry even a little more significant. So I think that move is working out well, and, and we'll see how David Johnson does with the running backs, but I've heard decent things about that group too. Yards after contact, Johnson. That's yeah. right. The na- the name still sticks. Sounds like, Jer- sounds like Jeremy Banks was getting a lot of yards after contact. Yeah. The other night in the scrimmage. So. Do, you have any, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, Pat, or is this going to be – or do <clears> you just want to um, – I do not want to filibuster like you did. <laughs> you sure? I can put the Jeopardy clock on there. Is this the part where you read like all of uh, – like just name off all of our Twitter handles and all that stuff. Well, not yet, but it's getting it's getting to that point because we have to get out the door and go to practice now. Should say we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, so if something major happens at Thursday's practice, uh, I will be back here awkwardly by myself, uh, patching, patching holes in this later, <laughs> doing more. That's a you know what? I wish, I wish there was a that's the right time to turn the music software on. that could count how many words each of us said each podcast. Maybe we should challenge someone on the board to do that. If you would like to come over here and run this board and do all this too. <laughs> You go right ahead. It sounds like we're guests on the West Rucker 24-7 yeah. podcast. It sounds like. They have producers for that on some things, you know, where the person doesn't talk very much, where they just spin the dials. We do have a podcast page now on, on, on you know the network. What? This is what we'll do. Mm-hmm. In the next couple weeks, we'll do one where I'll just run the board and not say anything, <laughs> and I'll let y'all do the uh, intros got him mad. He's, and He's triggered, outros. guys. He's triggered. If, if I haven't you, seen if him you, this if you, if you want to do all that, you, you can. We, we can do that. I haven't seen him this mad since the – since uh, that guy from the Cubs walked the first three batters of the Steve Ceshek, former Carson Newman Eagle, Steve Ceshek, who walked uh, the first three batters of the uh, against the Braves in the eighth inning. Last I, say, I haven't seen no, this no, match since the Cubs started one and four. No offense, no, soon no, to be one and five. No offense, Carson Newman, but Steve Ceshek's performance Wednesday night at Atlanta was a very Division two performance. Chopped on stop. Three batters, three walks, gross. Camargo. Anyways, 
you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, who is not here because he is lazy and worthless, is twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. You can also find all of us on Twitter at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. That's the full staff account if you want just the news and uh, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, sir. You can go get that there. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash govals 24-7. We're very proud of all the work we've done on that Facebook page. We're getting good numbers on it, so uh, people are going there for a reason, so maybe y'all ought to go there and give it a shot. Uh, Or if you want to drink straight from the hose, you can go to the best website on all of Al Gore's internets, govals247.com, where we always have good specials going on. we got a, a free uh, trial right now that you can try this out for a while. If you sign up right now, you can get almost through the orange and white game. Uh, so you can go ahead and try that, uh, or you cannot do it and be a loser. That's really your decision. I don't want to. I don't want to make this personal. I don't want to to say we play favorites here. But if you don't subscribe to GoBoss247.com, you're a loser, and you probably don't have anything in your life worth anything. <laughs> and you think you have friends? You don't. <laughs> you don't. You're just what you're doing is you're just you're leeching off of their information. They have the inside information and you are you are leeching it. So you know what? Come come be a real part of the water cooler conversation. Come to govals247.com. Pat, do you have any final thoughts? No. Not even a little bit. <laughs>